When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, this morning may the words of my mouth, indeed may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Today is the second of two of these sermons on God and the pandemic. Last week, I spoke of the futility of asking the question why when it comes to the pandemic and God's role. And this week, I want to focus on what is perhaps a better question. What? What is God doing in our midst? And what can I do to join God's work. I love the scripture we read today and all the different uh, scriptures that we read about light, and I want us to think about that this morning. We find in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. So one thing we learn about God in Genesis is God is all about bringing order to chaos and light to darkness. We move further into the Gospels, and we read in John's Gospel at the very beginning of that In the beginning, it starts like Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life, here you go, is the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. 
You see, we, we understand from that preamble to John's gospel that Jesus is the light of God for all people. And we move to part of today's scripture today in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. <clears throat> you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. <clears throat> no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all the house in the same way let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, Jesus' light shines through his followers. Now, in the first few centuries of our era after Jesus came, whenever serious sickness would strike a town or a city, the well-to-do would run for the hills. Christians would be the ones who would stay and nurse the people. Sometimes they caught the disease and died. And people were astonished. What was that all about? <clears throat> well, they replied, we are followers of this man, Jesus, and he put his life on the line to save us. And so that's what we do as well. Nobody had actually ever thought of doing that kind of thing before. No wonder that the gospel spread even when the Romans did their best to stamp it out. You see, much of what we now take for granted in, in social attitudes began as Christian innovation. The ancient pagans didn't do it like that. Medicine costs money. So did education. And the poor were poor, or so people assumed, because they were either lazy or unlucky. And it wasn't society's job to look after them. And the Christians disagreed. They picked up their rule of life from the Jews via Jesus, of course. And Jewish scripture pointed to the one true God who had special concern for the poor and the sick and the outcasts and the slaves. And their communities practiced a kind of extended communal family life. Well, the early Jesus followers extended that to increasing and increasingly diverse family of believers. We read in those early chapter of the book of Acts the, the growth of the new church. It paints a very vivid picture of the early church. And we read when we get to Acts chapter 11 in Syrian Antioch, which was, piece of trivia here, the place that Jesus followers were first called Christians— in that place, Barnabas and Paul worked together to teach and to preach in that community. During that time, there was a prophet. His name was Agabus, and he announced a coming famine throughout the whole world. Now, what we don't find in the book of Acts is anyone in there trying to figure out who to blame for the coming famine or whether or not sin might have caused it. No, what we find in the book of Acts is believers asking three simple questions. Who's going to be at special risk whenever this happens? What can we do to help? And who shall we send? Because they believed, and it's true, that God works most often through loyal humans. Jesus spoke of a new covenant that's written on his followers' hearts, the gift of the Holy Spirit, so that they and we would take up the responsibilities 
as God's eyes and ears and hands and feet to do what needs to be done in the world. From the very start, Christians looked out at the world and to see what God was wanting to say or to do, and then they prayerfully went about saying and doing those things about themselves. That's what mission is all about. As Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. The part of the scripture that Chris read a few moments ago with the Beatitudes, um, honestly, if you'll read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you get a real sense there of, of the program statement of what God's kingdom on earth is about. And it describes in the Beatitudes the type of people that God works through to usher in his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. You know, too often, People look at disasters and wonder, why doesn't God just march in and take over? Why does he permit this? Why doesn't he send a thunderbolt and just put things right? Well, the answer is God does send thunderbolts, human ones. He sends in the poor in spirit, the meek, the mourners, the peacemakers, the hungry for justice people. They are the way that God wants to act in the world. And they are more effective than any um, lightning flash or thunderbolt. They will use their initiative. They will see where the real needs are and go out to meet them. They will weep at the tomb of their friends. Some will get hurt and some will die. Just this past week, in one 24-hour period, we lost two great icons of the civil rights movement, Congressman John Lewis and Reverend C.T. Vivian. And they were persons who had relentlessly poked holes in the darkness of racism in the U.S. with their points of light, shining a light on the inequalities that existed for persons of color. Our country is a place with more of God's light because of them. And I pray that their witness will continue to be points of light as their cause continues to be taken up by all those who seek to have a more equal United States of America. Our scripture today reminds us <clears throat> we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world seasoning and lighting the way for the world to see by our good works the way to give glory to God in heaven. There will be problems and punishments and setbacks and shipwrecks, but God's purposes will come through. Followers of Jesus, prayerful, humble, faithful, will be the answer not to the question why, but to the question what? What needs to be done here? Who is most at risk? How can we help? Who shall we send? John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he put it this way. He called all Methodists to do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. 
So what does that look like for us? Well, I wanted to spend some time today telling you where I have seen God at work through you, the Christian people called Methodist, in this particular time and season. You see, it was March 8th, 133 days ago, that we last gathered uh, with a large group in worship, and, and we sort of lightheartedly would say, oh, give elbow bumps instead of shaking hands. You know, there's something about, and we sort of had a good time with that. <laughs> wow, have things changed. And we have not met together again in that amount of time in that same way. And yet, I have seen God at work through the points of light that are his people reaching into each other and out to the world. First, we celebrated our holy days uh, apart. There was Palm Sunday, and, and you pivoted. Um, that's kind of a, a word that we've used a lot around here. And so our families and our children found palms wherever they could, took selfies with the palms, and we had a virtual Palm Sunday parade on Palm Sunday. And then came Easter one of the highest, the highest holy day of the year. And though we could not gather, you were invited to bring your fresh flowers and flower the living cross as a witness to the presence of Christ among us. And you came and you did. And it was a beautiful witness. And then we had the signs that were printed that said, the church is empty and so is the tomb. <laughs> And it was a way, again, to witness to our faith as many of you put those signs in your yard to witness to your faith, but also to let people know about our live stream worship. And then you went to work. You went to work identifying the needs of others and then who it was that could help meet those needs. And we tried to connect people with needs and people who had ways to, to meet those needs. We made the, when Jesus, uh, when the church closes its doors, Jesus goes viral t-shirts. Uh, and I've seen so many of you out and about wearing those t-shirts as a great reminder to the world that Jesus is at work. And in the midst of buying those t-shirts, we were able to help support Ham and Family Promise, two of our covenant partners, at a time of their greatest needs. And then you made face masks. And, and then you made more face masks and more face masks as we were able then to send face masks through another organization to people in need all across the Houston area uh, to help them to be able to stay safe and to have a face mask. You continued to work with the, the big food distribution site that we partner with the Lutheran Church and the Episcopal Church through Ham and the Houston Food Bank to just give out so much food. There are so many people that have been food um, uncertain during this time. And our church was out there in force um, in order to be out there and to, to support those and to pass out food. Well, then the men's golf tournament got canceled. That's their major fundraiser where they help support some really worthy missions. And, and because it was canceled, you stepped up and we, the church, gave money in honor of our United Methodist men. Not as much as they would have earned, but a substantial donation to Ham and to the Door and to Mission Northeast 
on their behalf, points of light all around us. Our Saturday's child feeding ministry has continued during all of this time. As a matter of fact, it stepped up in intensity. We started the time while we've been apart with eight families. We've kept those eight families. Um, And it's been kind of interesting at some times because when the grocery stores were kind of bare or hard to get in or it wasn't, didn't feel safe to go there, there were a few weeks in there where we gave um, gift cards to the families instead. Um, But we have been back fully giving them groceries. And not only that, through our HAM partnership, we've had additional groceries from HAM to give to these same food-uncertain families. You have been points of light this whole time. And then family promise. Even in the midst of all this, we continue to host and to take care of our commitment to the family promise families, those transitionally homeless that are beginning to try to work their way out of homelessness uh, through the generosity of churches. Um, just this past week was the, was the last time we were going to be hosting families, but after only a couple of days, uh, their youngest child had an illness. It was just the croup, but out of an abundance of caution, they went back to stay at the Family Promise house, and the, the child is fine, and it was not COVID. Um, but we then pivoted again, and those who had signed up to bring meals took them over there to continue to support those families. And then what can I say about our weekday learning center? You know, our weekday learning center closed down when the school closed down in March, but then they began to pivot. They felt the need, that responsibility to the children and to the families of our community. And they worked through what the the regulations with the uh, health department would be. They met all of those and exceeded those so that They could be in operation this summer and continue in a very safe way to reach out to those children and families. I also asked our our existing families, where have you seen God at work um, during this time? And and I got some great responses. Tanya Whitfield, one of our uh, young adult parents, uh, talked about how she loved how the church came together Uh, to help the vulnerable or elderly with groceries or errands. Um, I know that people helped to make sure that they could watch the live stream. And even when we couldn't be physically together, we could worship via the live stream. God doesn't stop at the church doors. There were so many of these young tech-savvy people who pushed themselves out into our church community um, and helped people to, to learn how to use some of their technology or who just started making phone calls to check on folks. Um, we had uh, Tori Conant, who, who talked about in her own family how this time has given them more time together as a family to really get to enjoy each other and most especially to get to know in a deeper way their teenage girls who otherwise as teenagers might be might not spend so much time with their parents. Um, and they have seen God at work through their family. Holly Krause, another one of our younger moms, uh, talked about the really deep and hard questions that Henry, her son, asked. Henry, by the way, is the one who led us in our Lord's Prayer today. And, and working in your families, God has been at work through answering some pretty hard questions that little ones bring up. And then she said she sees God through people just stopping by and texting and Facebook checks. Um, And again, back in their family, in the grace that the children, little though they are, have shown them 
two educator working parents who needed to finish out the school year um, and who sometimes might have gotten sharper with their kids than they would have in other circumstances. God at work through our families. And then a choir member, Rhonda Suderman, talked about being able to see God at work through the choir, uh, doing a Zoom meeting every single Wednesday to encourage each other. And then Chase and Diane and Brian put together the music and the tracks for our anthems. She said it's a little daunting to make those, but they have persevered and they put together the Walk Through the Valley um, today, which was a beautiful anthem. So thank you for that. Have definitely seen God at work there. And here's a picture of our Zoom uh, choir as they have been practicing. Jeanette Stevens, an adult member of our church who's a member of a Sunday school class, talked about um, the online services helping her to feel God more closely, but also her Sunday school class. Um, The Turning Point has been very supportive, and I know our other classes have as well, through praying and encouraging um, and support and just being there for each other. So here's, there's a picture of the Turning Point class, but we've had all of our adult classes that have really been there for each other in a really different and unique and supportive way. Just this past week, we had women's retreat, and we had 40 women uh, that came together in two evenings and a Saturday morning for fellowship and fun and devotion and support, and what a wonderful way to see God and to support each other. Our children's Sunday schools have pivoted so that now children interact directly with Miss Leanne, um, and they've done Sunday school together again on Zoom. Not the best circumstances, but God is still at work in these young lives uh, through the ways that we've been able to pivot. And then here's just such a fun one because it's so recent. Um, On Friday, uh, Chris Blankenship and his wife Sarah took Christmas little gifts out to all of our youth. And they left them there with the instructions, no peeking. (laughs) Tonight, tonight, right, you're going to have a a Christmas party virtually um, with the youth so that they can enjoy and have this time of fellowship. Continued to have youth Sunday school and youth Sunday evening and youth Bible study midweek all throughout this time as well. Uh, There are so many more. Our connection team, if you remember, for a number of times they came and sang in here and then they recorded songs so that we could have them for this worship service. Most recently they pivoted again so that we're now live streaming two worship services, the connection and here. And on and on how I have seen you all pivot so that you could be the light. Uh, You are indeed the light of the world. And when we reach out to one another in this time, we are declaring to the darkness, you are no match for God. When we reach out to another, we firmly assert that our hope is not in our circumstances, but in the God of hope. And we declare that God is at work, that that God at work is stronger than pain or violence or depression or hopelessness or injustice or racism or hunger because God's people will stand against those things and God is at work through God's people. And we declare hope every time that we choose not to give in to hopelessness or helplessness. Remember, one tiny beam of light is all it takes to break through the darkness We are the light of the world. Jesus claimed it, and we claim it too. 
And it may not seem to be much, but you know, a little is all that's asked because God will multiply it into more and more points of light. I love this quote by Edward, Edward Everett Hale. I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do by the grace of God, I shall do. I'm encouraging you in three very specific ways this morning to be a point of light this week. I know that you are already acting as points of light for your family or in your work. Um, We have folks that are out working in all different kinds of circumstances and you're being points of light. But I want to lift up three really immediate ways that we, the church, can step up and be the point of light. So get your your, uh, computer or your phone ready so that you can send an email or get your pen ready so you can write down how to do these. So first we have this in-touch ministry. One of the greatest needs during this time, at least among our church family, is that sense of being connected. Friends, we have folks who are very lonely, who are living alone, who feel defeated, who long for just the, the presence of another person. We then are putting together a group of folks who will call a few of the families of our church on a regular basis over these next several months. Just call them and say hi, and how are you doing, and do you need anything? You're being thought of. That may not seem like a lot, but friends, it is being light in darkness. Is this a ministry that you can pick up and carry for the next few months, calling a few of the families of the church? Why don't you do that and let Susie know you can count on me. Let me have some of those names. Another ministry for being a point of light is we're going to be making blessing bags for teachers. You all know we have lots of educators in our church You know, our educators and staff in the schools, it is a difficult job under the best of circumstances, and beginning this school year is not the best of circumstances. It is going to be stressful. Talk about people that will have to pivot back and forth in in ways they never dreamed when they decided to go into teaching as a profession. Normally, at a back-to-school time, we would make um, a lot of big old platters of cookies and take them to every single school in Humble ISD. Well, we can't do that this year. Um, That's not a good gift to give. So what we're doing instead are going to make as many blessing bags for teachers. It's just a a little cellophane bag, and you're going to drop in there. Um, There's already a note for you to just say praying for you this school year and leave it in there. And then you can drop a pencil in or a piece of candy. Not big blessings, little blessings in this bag. You'll get a list of things, of suggestions. And then you'll bring those back because we've also purchased some stress balls. So we'll drop those in there to go with those bags. And as many as we can get, we'll bless that many schools. We've ordered 600. We've got them in packets of 10. Um, My hope is that today we get rid of those 600 and they have to turn around and pivot and order another 600 bags so that we can do it again. We hope to at least to be able to bless the teacher of of our partner school of the Oaks and Timbers, maybe Maple Brook. I'd love to be able to do Atascacita Middle School. Um, And we'll do as many as you can fill in, and, and we will distribute those and talk about being a point of light. Is that something you can do? 
Can you drive by today at one o'clock and pick up however many that you think your family or your small group could put together over the next couple of weeks? Um, we'll do it again on Wednesday morning. So we'll, if one of those times are good, just come and you'll be given those. If those times aren't good, but you know you'd like to participate, you want to email Leanne and say, I want to help. This is where I'm going to be a point of light. You can count on me there. And then, of course, there's our ham food drive. Um, I haven't said yet, but friends, we're at 1,600 pounds as of this morning. Yes, that is awesome. 1,600 pounds. So many thanks to our Weekday Learning Center and to you, uh, the faithful folks here at the church that have come by and dropped off food for ham. Um, our goal is 2,000 pounds by the end of July, so I hope that we'll just blow the top off of that. But wait, there's more. Our United Methodist men have made it even easier for you. If you're not out and about, but you have some items in your pantry that you are willing to give, you will see they have the next two Monday mornings at about 11, they're willing to come pick them up for you. All you need to do is email or call Walter Smith. So get your camera, I mean, get your phone and take a picture of this slide so you'll have his email address or phone if you would like to have that picked up um, at your house. Never even have to leave your house. So three distinct points of light that you, I want you to pick at least one of those and do them this week. Friends, we are all called to be a light in the darkness uh, the darkness cannot overcome it, even a small amount of light. And working together as points of light, friends, we will declare the glory of God to a community that needs hope. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the ways that you work in us um, and that you call us to work on your behalf. Lord, it feels that we can't do very much sometimes, and yet we remember that a little is all we're asked for, and a little spot of light in deep darkness lights a path and gives you glory. Be with us as we are your hands and feet. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.